Hello everyone this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn Educate Discover. On this podcast we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes how do they go about exploring it further. Now on today's show we are going to be talking about venture capital and our guest on today's show is Arun Penmetsa who is a principal with Storm Ventures an early stage enterprise SaaS focused venture fund based right here in Menlo Park in the heart of Silicon Valley. All right so without further ado let's welcome Arun. Hey Arun, hi. How are you? I'm good, Sonali. How are you? Thank you so much for taking the time. We are here right now in the Storm Ventures office and it's here in Sand Hill Road right in the heart of Silicon Valley. So, I was looking around there like venture funds all around us, right? That's right. So, can you name some of the funds that are here? Yeah, of course. So, there's uh across uh in one of the other buildings there's Redpoint um mm. uh, Ventures. Um Sakai actually used to be right across here, but they moved out I think a couple of years ago. Mm. and uh, there's a handful of smaller funds in the area too but uh, in general there's a there's a fair bit of new companies coming in too so it's nice to see some new blood in the area but it's all vc funds over it's here it's all vc funds yes in this in this complex over here yeah. and actually we moved into this office fairly recently we moved in about a year ago we were okay. further down on sand hill okay so we moved into this space fairly recently it was really quite cool to see right because when you come in over here each building just has names of different venture funds that's right so as an entrepreneur you can just come in exactly. and start going to each fund yeah yeah one. i mean sandhill road overall is a bit like that yeah, so yeah, you know yeah. uh, people talk about making the sandhill trek which is oh, essentially right. yeah, yeah. you know if you if you're pitching to a lot of vc firms uh, you have to come to this road fairly often and i'm sh- sure that the room that you're li- sitting in you've heard many pitches in the past. Yeah, yeah, so we have three conference rooms uh and uh you know we we have we meet a lot of companies in on a daily basis. So uh as a result we often meet a lot of companies in this in this room particularly as yeah, well. Yeah, so like how many pitches do you get every day? Yeah, so it varies. Um I would say over the course of a week uh I probably would meet about 15 to 20 companies. That's a lot. Yeah. So and then you know there are days. So Mondays usually we have more sort of storm focused events. So we have a partner meeting hmm. and uh, more sort of team presentations for the entire partnership. So generally, and we might get into this later in the in the talk as well. But generally, the way it works is when a company comes in, they usually meet with one or more people on the team. So right. for example, someone would come and meet me, and I would spend some time talking to the founders, learning more about the market. Uh, and and really trying to understand if this is a good fit for storm and whether mm-hmm. storm is a good fit for the company yeah and if i do think that is the case then uh the company would come out and meet the rest of the team so right. so because to meet the rest of the team obviously everybody has to be in the office so we allocate one day for that and for that's monday that. oh that's so, monday that's monday oh you have a day designated yeah, for because that because that's when okay. we expect all the partners to be in the office okay uh because the rest of the time they may, they might be traveling they right. might be in meetings off site and so forth but monday we expect usually we expect everybody to be in the office so, so there's probably a lot of nervous energy on yeah, monday yeah, in the office uh, yeah partner meetings are usually one of the final steps in the investment process so yeah. um it's exciting as well because you know if 
Generally, if things go well at the partner meetings, then uh, it usually leads to an investment. So yeah. there's that, but as you said, there's nervousness as well. Oh, I mean, I was looking at your website, at your portfolio, and there's been a lot of exits and a lot of well-known names like Marketo yeah. and Mobile Iron was another yes. one I saw. So, I mean, you've been with Storm Ventures for how long now? So I've been with Storm for a little less than two years. Mm-hmm. Um, the firm itself has been around for about 16 years now. Wow, okay. Um, so yeah. we raised our fifth fund early last year. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of history in the firm. Yeah, so I definitely want to get into the mechanics of how VC works. So, yeah. But before we go into more details, tell us a little bit about your career path so sure. far. Sure, sure. So uh, I was born and raised in India. I came to the United States for undergrad. I went to Carnegie Mellon um, and then I went. I got a master's from, from Stanford uh-huh. and then I worked for a few years. So I worked in software and for development at Oracle and then I went to uh, Stanford again to get a business degree and then I joined Storm. Oh, so, so my path okay. uh, has been a little, um, uh, well, venture capitalist firms do hire a lot from the MBA programs. Hmm. Uh, so I would say it's not necessarily been non-traditional, but hmm. um, it's, it, was something, it wasn't something I was really thinking of doing when I, when I went into business school. What were you thinking then? Yeah, so my goal um, uh, when going to business school was more to get into early stage companies and focus more on the product side. Um, so, like I said, my background has been technical for a number of years. And, and when I was in business school, obviously Stanford being very close to Silicon Valley, or I guess being in the center of Silicon Valley, and a lot of VCs were on campus, right? And yeah. you're very fortunate to meet and learn from them. Yeah. And so it was very interesting, you know, just learning about the industry from them. And um, what I decided to do was essentially spend the summer in VC. You know, just And it was interesting because at that point, my thought process was, I'll never do this full time, so maybe I should spend the summer. Oh, okay. Yeah, spend the okay. summer um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at venture capital. So um, I actually interned at Storm that oh, summer. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. So uh, it was a great experience. We didn't make any investments when I was here, but um, uh, it was a, it was a fantastic experience. You know, meeting different entrepreneurs, learning more about the investment process. Yeah. Uh, learning to think about companies, um, you know, from a from a viewpoint around things like market, team. Yeah growth and so forth that which really helped shape what I wanted to do afterwards so um, when it came time to think about full-time I really just loved the industry and the role so I decided to pursue that no definitely so when you summer so this was in your first year of business school right? yeah, after just first after year. my first yeah. year yeah so what profile do you join a VC firm at well I joined you mean the title or yeah yeah, yeah. summer associate so it's a summer associate yeah. and so yeah, actually, can you talk about the the levels or the yeah. hierarchy in a VC? So, so uh, summer internships are usually pretty rare in VC. Hmm. So, uh, some VC firms do obviously try, tend to hire over the summer. The reason is it's hard to get a lot done over summer hmm. um, because uh, you can. I mean, if you're a very large fund and you have a fairly a regular flow of uh, deals coming through the pipeline, then it's good because you'll start off through the entire process of you know finding a deal, working on it, and then obviously closing and helping the company later on. But uh, otherwise, you know, in three months, there's only so much you can do. So, but, so that's a bit rare. Uh, and we can talk more about my summer. But no, but I want to know how did you how did you make it happen for you then? Like, what oh, was special about you that well, you managed th- to there's, get? There's definitely nothing special about me. Um, to be honest, I got a little bit lucky in the sense that what I had done was essentially reached out uh, reach out to a lot of alumni hmm. in the network and uh, essentially asked them, you know, what is the best way that I can spend some time at your firms. Um, and they were very generous, you know, with their time. Um, uh, and, you know, they, they had some recommendations on strategies I should use to reach out to VC firms. So essentially, 
um, you know, spoke to a number of people in the space. And, and um, uh, one of the things I did present was uh, sort of more thinking about what I can contribute in terms of market research or helping mm. a company. So, so, oh, so you sort of made that clear. When yeah. you were applying. Okay. Yeah. Because we do want to touch a little bit about Yeah. You know, and, and it'll be good to kind of talk yeah. more about that because I think that's a longer discussion. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was fortunate to kind of, you know, mm. meet some of the people at Storm and, and work here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I hear a lot about that how VC firms, you can either join after having spent some time as an operator, which you did in yes. your case because you were at Oracle yes. for a while. Like when you were at GSP, did you ever consider starting your own company? As I did. Yeah. So uh, I did actually spend a fair bit of time talking to my classmates about starting companies. And, you know, we did prototype a few ideas and, and, and have some discussions. At the end of the day, for me, there wasn't an idea that I was very passionate about that I was mm-hmm. willing to, you know, essentially put everything else aside and pursue. And at the same time, you know, just in working with investors and we can talk a bit about my background as well, um, I guess that was your initial question that led into this. So I've been investing a little bit through my family in India. Oh, right? I see. So there was some bit of background there, but but I, I've always been fascinated with the investing side. So I decided if there wasn't an idea that I was extremely passionate about, hmm. then it doesn't make sense to, you know, really go be an entrepreneur until at least I find that idea. Hmm. And um, I saw VC as as another way of where I can meet great people, you know, learn a bit more about um, portions of the industry that I wasn't experienced with. So obviously, I had worked in enterprise technology, but there's so many other aspects of you know building a company that I had yeah. no idea about. So this was another way to like spend time and kind of get to learn that. Yeah, and you're getting 20 pitches every week now, right? Right, so, right, exactly. So you get to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, like, how would you how would you describe venture capital, and how would you describe the job of a venture capitalist? Sure. So venture capital, at, at a very basic level, is um, investing in sort of new and growing companies, right? And the idea behind venture is there's some amount of risk when you're investing in these companies. So they generally, typically, tend to be pretty early. Uh, so Storm specifically invests in very early companies. So I would say Series A primarily, but we do some seed as well. Can you can you talk sure, about that? Sure, sure. So seed and Series A primarily refer to the stage of funding. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you can argue based when angel angel investing comes in, but seed is usually the, typically the first check into companies. You can argue, you can you can debate whether that's friends friends and family or more institutional round. But seed is typically the first check into a company. Then you have Series A, Series B, Series C, which is follow-on rounds. And if things are going well, usually the amount you're raising goes up and also the valuation yeah. of the company goes and up. Is, and is the difference primarily the amount of money that you're raising or is it the stage? I mean, of course, the stage is Yeah, increasing. so you can define stages in different ways. One is, you know, re- the amount of revenue you're generating every year, right? Mm. Um, the other one is, let's say, the number of customers you have or the size of the team. But typically, it, when you talk about growth, you talk about the amount of revenue you're generating. And obviously, they are tied to customers and things like well, that's that. That's a very good point. So let's take the... So you guys invest in enterprise SaaS a yeah. lot. So how... You don't have to share exact figures, but generally, uh, what revenue would constitute early stage as opposed to C yeah. A, B, C? So, unfortunately, like most things, it varies. Uh, again, it depends on the industry. So, um, if I had to pick a number, let's say one to two million in mm. in revenue run rate, would be a good would uh, be benchmark. for Series A. For Series A, yeah, but it varies. I mean, we've had companies way below that raise what typically we see Series mm. A rounds and uh, and at valuation. So. The, the a the the this categorizing it as series a b c can also be based on valuations right so let's say yeah. 10 to 15 million valuation can be a more traditional series a but depending on how good the market is mm. um you know if it's it's a very aggressive and hot market even a seed can seed round can have a very high valuation 
and it's probably true more so in consumer companies right where you yes. just don't have a rev- any revenue yeah and so it's there, all yeah there you would substitute revenue for user growth yeah so the okay. more people using your product that would be a proxy that right. you would use and when we look at companies again these are very rough benchmarks and it'll vary by industry it'll vary by the the founders and mm-hmm. we can talk more about what we look for in companies yeah but uh, what everyone wants to know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But what determines valuation? Uh, some of the things that determine valuation would be, like I said, revenue and also the growth rate of the company. Hmm. So even if you are, if you, if your revenue is very high but your growth rate is very low, you will not typically get a large valuation. Got it. I mean, so, what kind of growth rates do you look for? Um, again, it, it's across the board based on type of companies, but uh, you know, it, it can be as little as you know, 30 to 40% every year, depending mm-hmm. on how, how large the, the company is to, you know, we, we've obviously seen companies that double and triple or even quadruple yeah, every yeah. year. Yeah. So I think that's one key thing about venture capital, right? At least in Silicon Valley, that you are looking for a certain exit. Yeah. Like unless and until you see that exit, yeah. you, you wouldn't even invest. Yeah. So um, again, that that is typically correct because at the end of the day, you know, as investors, we, we do want the capital to come back and obviously we want to make a multiple on that. So one of the things that's always difficult to predict and exit is that, especially if you invest in an early stage, you know, the returns can be six, seven, eight years down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you can get acquired much before that. So um, I think you, you should think about... Uh, you should think about you know whether there are natural acquirers to the company you're investing in but again if you expect the return exit to be many many years down the line it's 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 not something you focus very heavily on got it generally what we find is if you are focused on you know large enough markets with good teams even without uh, the exits will come you know in some one way, way or the other yeah they'll eventually come so yeah Okay, so the next follow-up that I think would make sense here is to understand like what is the typical process then? If you can walk us through sure. how and eventually a, how a deal finally happens. Yeah, so uh, when we meet a company, uh, the first thing we think about is uh, is the company in, in a market that we want to invest in, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, we talked about enterprise SaaS. So mm-hmm. a very basic example would be if a consumer company would meet us, we yes. wouldn't invest, yeah. right? Yeah. So the first thing we want to think about is 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 sort of the market and the strategy a good fit for us. Um, the second is uh, is the stage of the company a good fit for us. So let's say a company has already raised like thirty million dollars or something, then it's too late for us. We wouldn't huh. invest. So you're only up till Series A. Yeah, yeah. I mean we we do some you know we do a little bit of later stage as well, but we, for example we wouldn't do like a Series C or Series D right. round. And that's just a like a strategic decision that's been. Yeah, made. so it, it's a it's a it's a result of a number of things. Um, you know, our fund size is 180 million. Mm-hmm. So uh, typically, we, we want to have a certain amount of ownership in mm-hmm. a company. So you know, it can vary, but you know, let's say 10 to 20 percent. Yeah. So if the valuation is very high, then we have to put a large amount of money in to really get that ownership and. You know, it doesn't make sense to put that much amount of money out of a $180 million fund into one company, essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's typically the reason we don't want to go too late. Um, the second thing is uh, we also work pretty closely with our companies, not just in terms of financing, but also in terms of um, helping them go to market. But by that, what I mean, how do you really think about who should you sell to? What is the best way to sell to them? Who are the people you need to hire? We make connections to sort of customers and mm. partners and all that. So you try and see for a fit in the GTM. Exactly. And, and all of that is, again, we can be most helpful if the company's earlier. 
But yeah. as you go later and later, it becomes a little bit more of a financial decision because, you know, at that stage, hopefully mm-hmm. the company has figured all that stuff out. Yeah. So, um, again, you know, given that we like to be more value-added investors, it's, again, not a good fit for us. I see. Okay. So you said the market, the stage. Yeah. The... So, so that's the initial screen, right? Yeah. So based on that, you know, we, we do the first meeting. Um, you know, we, we really think about the overall market the team is going after, you know, look at the team, you know, do they have the right background, in our opinion at least. And it's always hard to judge based on one meeting. But um, what is their vision for the company? One, mm. one thing we always try to think about is, you know, they're doing something today, but really, like I said, the investment period is horizon is like five, six, seven, right. ten years. Right. So uh, obviously it's impossible to predict accurately, but it's, it's always good to have some idea or at least expectation of where we think the market so will be. I want to learn a little bit more about this, yeah. which is that, so you want a great market, of course, yes. and you want a great team. Yeah. Let's say you three strangers reached out to you and say, hey, Arun, I'm doing this. Yeah. Uh, and then you meet. So let's say on paper, they have great credentials. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you talk to them, they seem fine. But is is that all it takes? Like, and then you have a vision. So like, what are these other yeah. softer things? Yeah, so, so, so the next thing is really diligence, right? So mm-hmm. if I do like, you know, what we see in the first meeting, right? We spend time, for example, talking to their customers if they have customers, right? Mm-hmm. Doing personal references, talking to our contacts in the industry. Hey, you know, someone is working oh, on this okay. idea. Does it really make sense? We spend more time with them, you know. Let's say you have this idea, what will you do next? So because the first like meeting an is... investigation. Be, yeah, <laughs> it is It is often an investigation uh, because, again, after this... Uh, so one of the other things that I didn't mention before, and a lot of VC firms do this, is obviously we do follow-on rounds. So hmm. it's not typically, hey, here is the money, go. good luck kind of thing. <laughs> but, like, but, you know, typically when they go raise their next round, we would invest and keep, we keep investing. So uh, for us, it's it's very important that uh, we have a very good sense of, uh, you know, what their plan is and what their strategy is. So we do have pretty long conversations with them about how they intend to build the company, who do they want to hire, mm-hmm. what do they think about competition and so forth. And through these long conversations, you can get a sense of whether, you know, what they're building, in, at least in our minds, and, you know, we've, we've been wrong in many situations as well. Uh, whether whether we think this is some this is a risk worth taking from our mm. point of view, right? So I mean, can you share an example of when, if, if it has happened, that an entrepreneur or a founding team came in and asked us they were saying the right things, but things just didn't seem right for some reason? Yeah. So um, I mean, I'm just trying to think of a good example. So usually, what ends up happening in these situations is that because it's early enough, there's no right answer. Mm. So a lot of it is best based on our belief uh, to a certain extent. So um, there have been situations where we, okay, I'll give you one example. I mean, I, I won't name names, mm. but so I recently spoke to an entrepreneur, um, you know, great product, a great idea, great traction. But when I did the customer calls, the customer said, well, we haven't deployed the product yet. Mm. Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about it. This is what we intend to do, but we haven't deployed. So and did they say why? Well, they, they, I mean, they, they trialed it and the trial, nobody was using the product. Mm. So the idea was you trial with a small portion of, of the company, uh, of the customer company, nobody used it. So they said they're going to hold up and deploying widely, right? But but in the meeting, at least, and maybe I just misread what, what, what was being ta- discussed, but it seemed like, you know, they had this customer. Yeah. So this, this is not that common, but um, um, I think the challenge is always kind of balancing what even we hope that can be achieved versus the reality, right? Yeah. 
yeah. and we have to go in, in stages so um there's a, there's a lot of ambiguity at this stage right. of, of of the company so we try to fill in all the pieces but sometimes you can never fill and in there's only so much you can do yeah. but this due diligence would generally last for how long so i would say anywhere from 2 weeks to 4 weeks hmm. um sometimes it can last longer you know if you can get people on the phone and things like that but uh, generally we try to move pretty fast oh, that's pretty quick yeah so you see whether you like the market you see whether you like the team you do your do your due diligence and then finally let's say you said i think it makes sense so then what happens yeah so 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 typically as a process we do the little just like i said customer calls personal references everything um during the process we also have the entrepreneur come in and meet the rest of the team mm-hmm. so at storm we, we i mean I, i believe a lot of vc firms might do this but at storm uh we'd really like to get everybody on board uh in terms of making a decision and and also you know there's so much experience in the firm that during the diligence process they can tell us hey by the way you should meet this other company i spoke okay, to that yeah. might do something like, similar a few years back or talk to this person and this is what i think and that kind of group feedback really helps us at least narrow down the right set of questions to ask um yeah. because i i think you know one of the things uh, and we can talk about this more is uh vc is interestingly very you know it's it's a very humbling business because we are always in the room with people who know more about that specific subject mm. than we do mm. because they have been spending years building it's this just company, a great right? point right like I'm sure I mean there there's like 80 90% which is like okay you know I'm not even interested yeah. but then there's a 10% which is just amazing. Yeah. How how do you how do you put yourself in a position where you feel that you can make a go no go decision yeah. given that the other person is so much more of an expert in that? Yeah, so so you're right. I mean I mean unfortunately so so for us we we just have to rely on the advice of, of people who are a lot smarter than us, right? Mm. So that that's why it helps to have a large network. Mm. um you know both from you know other entrepreneurs we've talked to people in our portfolio companies you know people we have worked with or our careers our friends pretty much anyone we can get advice from um and and you yeah in in pretty much every situation you know i i will not have the answer to these questions so we try our best to talk to as many people as we can we read a lot um so uh and 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 you know just talk to a lot of people and then at the end of the day i mean you form a thesis on where you think the industry is moving and uh, at the end of, i mean especially early stage investing you're just betting on the people so we spend a lot of time with our entrepreneurs before you invest you know just getting to know meeting them for coffee asking them questions about various things and just chatting right because at this stage it's it's completely betting on the entrepreneur right. i mean you can talk all you want about traction and the and you know the so idea are you like a good reader of people would you say that <sighs> I don't you know. Have to be. I, I think it's too early in my career to say that. I hope so. But, but I think that's the sense that yes. you're developing, right? Yes. Yeah. I think that's a very key skill. Um you have to be able to judge people well. Um and in in many ways, right? I mean, this is true of even operators, right? When you're hiring people mm. or, you know, to work with you um or your team, you have to judge them. Yeah. Uh, and you have often have to do that in fairly quick interviews. So. I mean, have you maybe you don't think about it consciously, but apart from the, the goodness of the company itself, are there Uh, qualities that you look for in the entrepreneur. Yeah, so I think I think for me the main one is passion. I mean, you can tell sometimes when you meet the entrepreneurs they're so passionate about this space, right? Because the, the reality is, you know, no company always goes through good times, right? There's so many bad times. And you have to be really passionate and committed. So I guess passion I would say commitment, maybe both are tied in some sense, but um you really need that to kind of get past all mm-hmm. these hurdles um and you know you sometimes easily see those in board meetings as well but uh i would say that's one um i think not in a specific order but we look for obviously intellect 
because you know these are fairly i mean building a company is a fairly complex process we look for empathy because at the end of the day and this is about people right i mean this is their lives their families and so forth so it's not like we want someone who's like so focused but you don't care about your employees yeah, because yeah. again like i said this is like a long journey um yeah so i would say that superman and superwomen <laughs> yeah essentially i mean you have to be i mean it's it's i mean when you meet these people it, i mean it's yeah. amazing entrepreneurs really are a very rare breed they I mean they're devoting their lives to something yeah. and uh it's very exciting to work with them so i think you gave us a very good idea about the process what will also be helpful is if you can tell us that the different roles in your company right yeah. so like there is a there is a partner layer yes. you're a principal yes there are associates yes VC so associates, yeah. right? so what are the different roles doing yeah so i think at a very very uh, rough level um it generally goes starts from an associate um you have a senior associate you have a vice president you have a principal and then you have partners and partners you can have uh general partners and then regular partners mm-hmm. so this is rough and you know different firms can have more or less uh roles and in general uh the partners as the name suggests are sort of the more senior people in the fund mm-hmm. and they are usually the people who go on the boards of companies um and then they uh usually have a, the final say in whether we invest or not invest Um, and will each partner have a specialization yes. in the so case? so it it varies um i would say in the small uh, that is jump widely true uh, just because of the number of areas you have to cover and it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense especially in a large partnership where everybody does everything right so you want people to focus because over time you want to build you know as much expertise as you can in 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 general for people starting out um, you often go sort of a mile wide and an inch deep but mm. over your career you definitely want to go deeper in certain sectors mm. right so, so in your case yeah, i think it's yeah so i do digital health and security so okay. these are kind of the two main thing but again storm being a relatively small firm in terms of team you know i've looked at sales marketing hr pretty much everything mm. okay uh, but those are the areas i want i want to focus more on um so you have the partners um principals um uh you know at at some level start doing their own deals uh, so they lead deals which is essentially they do the screen I mean they find sourcing everybody does which is finding everything but then you can um do the diligence which again a lot of a law levels do but then you kind of lead the deals in the sense that you might end up being on the board or you're responsible for the investment okay. so when and, you say responsible like making it a success yes so okay. you're the one who's the main point of contact let's say mm-hmm. with the entrepreneur you mm-hmm. go to the board meetings and so forth okay Uh, and then below that you have sort of vice presidents senior associates and associates as you kind of go down the chain you move more from working with the company to sourcing new deals okay so okay. so you know you would spend your time let's say going to conferences just um, finding companies finding okay. companies because that, that was something i'm curious about because here it's all about finding that company as soon as possible and being probably the only vc fund if possible yeah although i think you guys ask always like who else is investing in you as a form of validation yeah so uh i think vc is a very interesting industry is that we we do compete but also we collaborate a lot mm. because you know um if you're very early you're right if you're raising a small amount of money there isn't room for everybody but as you kind of scale you want other vc firms to come in because you know if you're raising if you're raising a large round it's it's unusual that one vc firm would put in all the money i mean mm-hmm. typically you can if the checks is are still reasonable in your large fund but it also helps to have multiple vc firms because again you're growing the support base for the company at the end of the day once we invest the, the goal is just focus on whatever makes the company a success right. right so 
so it helps to work with others um, in that process. So, um, yeah, it's always interesting dynamic in the sense that on some deals we're competing, but then other deals we're yeah. working together. Um, I'm sure you guys bump into each other over here. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we meet people all the time. Uh, you have a lot of, obviously, a lot of friends in the industry, a lot of classmates. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun. So I think one thing which is also coming out for me is that your network is very important, yes. right? Because you're using it for conducting due diligence. And then you're using it also to help the company. Yes. So, so first, actually, and, and also for sourcing. And for sourcing, actually, yeah. yeah. So, if you were to give me a very rough approximation of like hundred percent of your companies, what percentage is you know the founder reaching out to you? What percentage is you reaching out to the founder? Yeah. And what is like a referral? Yeah. So these numbers are very rough, and I could be off, but I'm I'm, hmm. I'm guessing to a certain extent here. Uh, I would say um, at Storm because we've done. Um, a, a fair bit of work in the enterprise space. Storm has always in, invested in the enterprise space. I would say, let's say, about forty percent are people reaching out to us, mm. forty to fifty percent, and then uh, about yeah, maybe like twenty percent. Well, yeah, maybe forty percent people reaching out to us. About thirty to forty percent referrals uh, through our network, and maybe twenty mm. percent us going out and finding oh, companies. Okay. Again, this also varies based on sector. Hmm. So, if you have done investments in, if you have done a lot of investments in security and and marketing and so forth, so there our network is stronger and our brand is stronger. So people reach out. But for example, digital health is a little more of a recent focus for us. So hmm. there it'll be more outbound since we so don't you have done enough of a brand. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. How do you build your network? Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of it is. So you start off with the initial network, right? Hmm. Which is you know your friends, your colleagues, um, people you know, um, and then you kind of look for common connections. So uh, let's say I'm interested in digital health. I would look for, you know, friends of mine who happen to know physicians Mm. or people who work in healthcare networks and so forth. You go to a lot of conferences Mm. where you happen to meet people, you follow up with them. There's definitely a lot of coffee chats uh, that you have to kind of do. But do you set them up yourself? Or? Yeah, so okay. you really tend to reach, reach out, and over time it goes both ways, right? So mm-hmm. once you you build a little bit more of a, uh, of a network, and uh, then you know maybe other people start to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. See, that's another great point, right? That do you, in VC, how much of it is it the brand of the firm, and how much is it how much of it is the brand of the individual investor? Yeah, so I I think I, I think it varies, and I think at least in my case at this point it's all the brand of the firm right mm-hmm. um, so uh, over over a course of a career as you get more senior I think people do start to build their own personal brands just by virtue of the fact that you have worked with a lot of companies mm-hmm. you have a lot of experience personally you um, uh, you publish content right you can publish blog posts which is which is you know which is happening a lot these days I mean do you do that yeah, yeah so I mean I've we are starting to do more of that mm. here. Um, there are a lot of VC firms that publish content continuously. Um, I think, you know, First Round, for example, is very well known for publishing some of the best content in the industry. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I've just started writing some things on digital health. But uh, I think with that, over time, people do tend to build personal brands. I think also for entrepreneurs, it's one thing that's important to realize is that uh, you might come to a VC firm, but at the end of the day, it's really important for the entrepreneur to really understand who you're working with. Because, yes, it's the VC firm that's investing in you, but it's the partner yeah. you work with mm. for many years, mm. especially if the partner is on your board. Yeah. So it is a very relationship-based industry in that yeah. sense. Yeah. So, so you I, want to yeah. make sure so, that people understand who you are. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I think over time, your personal brand becomes very important. Right. But it's hard to build that early in your career. Right, right. Okay. And then another thing I wanted to touch on is if you can briefly tell us uh, how a VC fund is structured. Like as you said that you just recently raised your $180 million fund, right? Yes. So what is that process like? Yeah. So a fund is basically, I mean, as it, as it sounds, right? A certain amount of money you raise, you know, to invest in companies. Typically, funds last, again, this varies widely, but let's say 10 to 15 years. And the idea mm-hmm. is you invest in the first three years of that. So you raise the money, you invest in the first three years mm-hmm. following that. And then because as I mentioned, it takes seven to 10 years for the company to eventually exit and so forth. Sometimes it can be early, sometimes it's sooner. The money comes back, let's say in years seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten. Right. right. So you've, you've completed the full cycle. That's the full cycle. Okay. Now what you would do is, so let's say you're investing in years one, two, and three now, but the money is, so at three you're done, right? You, you put all the money out and sometimes the money lasts longer because like I said, we do uh, follow-ons. Hmm. So let's say you invest half the money of the fund, but then you reserve the other half for, follow for, for follow-ons. Yeah. So yeah. that might go further. But in typically, in let's say year three, and again, I'm using rough numbers, but uh, you raise your next fund. Hmm. So you're working on fund two from years, let's say four to six, which again would return okay, from so six like to parallel. 13 or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's why, so every three to four years, and sometimes it's sooner than that, um, firms raise ne- the next fund. Got it. And generally that fundraising is being done by partners, by I'm partners. guessing. You generally, yeah. yeah, the general partners and the managing partners as they're called. And who is who is investing in that fund? So uh, that's what our, uh, that's usually our limited partners. Mm-hmm. And, and these can be uh, anyone with capital. So it can be like pension funds, university endowments, um, wealthy individuals. So they typically a lot of the large fund, large pension funds and so forth, uh, think about portfolio management. And by that I mean, which asset classes do you put money in, right? So they generally okay. put a portion into, let's say, venture capital and private equity. So mm-hmm. that's usually a good um, uh, limited partner because they're large funds, they're very stable. They'll tend to keep investing. Right. In so they will rocks. have their own investment strategy. Exactly. Okay. And I'm guessing this is also all relationship-based, right? It like is. Your partners will have relationships with yes. all of these funds. Okay. Exactly. It's very helpful to have a stable base there because... Every time you fundraise, you don't want to go out and meet an entirely new set of investors because yeah. it just makes the process more complicated. So money. it's like when the coin is flipped, right? Yeah, if it's, pitching, yeah. now you're like, give us the money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is what makes us so good. Yeah. But yeah, that's what, right? Like networking is so key here. Like, do yeah. you think if someone is just like a shy, timid person, but very smart, like, would you recommend they go into VC? So, uh, I mean, I think, I think it would be difficult um, primarily because, I mean, it is a, like you said, a relationship-based industry, right? Now, there are roles within venture capital firms, uh, especially some larger ones where you can be an analyst, um, you know, where you work more on the financial side. And we can talk more about how VC is saying, but VC is changing. But there's also sort of uh, some of the firms are doing a more uh, a service-based approach where, you know, you help pe- you help your portfolio companies in marketing and sales and finance and so forth. Well, so when you, you say service, like they're charging for it? No, no. So you invest in the company, but you also have a team. Or doing will, all that stuff for you. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, or at okay. least getting you started, right? Okay. So. Um, uh, oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's almost like an operating role within the VC yeah, firm. Yeah. Maybe there are better ways to describe it, but that's one way. But so. It could be a fit there, uh, but but generally it, it would be hard. It yes, would be hard, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense, yeah. Actually, that's a good point that you bring up that some of these companies are now offering this operational kind of stuff also inside the fund. So clearly your network is a big part of the value that you add, yes. right? You'll connect them with the right people. Yeah. 
apart from that what else and then of course there's the funding but apart from that do you think there are any other places where how, how does a vc work with their portfolio companies yeah so um once we invest um there's there's a number of things we do so obviously you know depending on the size of your investment uh, we might have someone on the board right so so as part of the board you you work with the founding team and the executive team on decision making so any kind of major strategic strategic decisions and so forth you're involved there's things like more tactical things like recruitment which you know we help them hire uh, people for okay. various roles but is that is that sourcing or or is that like i think that he or she is a good guy or gal to have yeah so generally what would happen is for example for example what would happen is the, the team is growing and then they realize we need a we need a vp of sales mm. so we would look in okay. our network and say hey this person worked in one of our previous companies mm. he might be looking you should talk to him right so it's a lot of it is just making connections and then the executive team ultimately has to decide if they're a good fit i see okay right so so for example that's one then we can obviously make introductions to customers mm. and partners mm. that we think of. so uh, for example in digital health uh, i made a couple of investments and uh, you know for our companies i mean given some i'm still building my network there but you know, I, I can hopefully make some introductions to hospital and healthcare networks that that any new company can can work with. Got it. Um, so then there's there's that. Um, we also spend a lot of time trying to organize events for our companies. So, mm. you know, we bring in speakers who are experts in, you know, let's say security or marketing and have our portfolio companies come in and talk to them. Um, so, and then we also spend a lot of time connecting our portfolio companies to each other. So Storm over the course of its life has, uh, uh, I don't know the exact figure, but it's something like 150 companies. Mm-hmm. So uh, not all of them are active at this point, but, um, um, it's always helpful for those CEOs and the VPs and all to talk to each other because a lot of times they don't have similar yeah. problems. I mean, do you, oh, okay. Similar problems. I mean, in, in terms of, do you try and make your portfolio in a way that, this company can actually like they complement each other yeah so uh, i mean i i wouldn't say there's like a grand thesis but like uh, or a master plan but but we do take synergies into account when thinking Mm. about investment so obviously if there's a company in our portfolio that can help this company a lot and and vice versa then then there is some synergy because you know you can accelerate one company's growth to other and obviously Mm. that's not the primary reason but if the opportunity exists, we should we would definitely make the connection and then right. let them figure it out whether it makes right. sense. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is really really helpful. I wanted to ask you hits and misses. Yeah. I mean, um, so actually, we, let's talk about the misses. There are a lot of hits on your website. Yeah. So yeah. People can check out your website. Well, so well, I haven't been a VC for long, so I I don't I don't know which ones are like been true misses, but um, I think for me, I would say the main misses. Um, generally happen when I don't act fast enough. Hmm. Um, so we talked a bit about the process earlier, right? So, you know, I meet them, then I do my diligence and have them meet the team and then the partner meeting and then the investment decision. So um, the good companies, uh, especially when you have a great founder, there would obviously be a lot of other VC firms in, interested in investing, right? So not only venture capital firms, strategic firms, large angel investors, a lot right. of people can, can try to come in. So, um, and so you have to be quick uh, in, in some sense, right? Uh, and, and, and make a decision quickly. So I would say the, the vast majority of the deals that I've tried to, you know, give them a term sheet and we, well, we can talk about what a term sheet is, but 
uh, I've tried to give a term sheet to or get into the deal I've missed out on are primarily because I haven't been fast enough making a decision. So when you say missed out, so the founder was trying to raise X amount of money yes. and the X amount was already put in. Value. Put in, exactly. Okay, I see. Exactly. But then the founder doesn't want more money? Well, they do, but uh, you, you often have to raise money in stages hmm. because um, the, the, the challenge is that if you raise too many you only want to give up a certain portion of your company at any round, mm, right? Okay. So, uh, and if you, if you have to use, I'm just going to use numbers for the sake of making the math easier, but let's say you're raising two and a half million and a 10 million valuation. So mm. you're giving up 25% of the company, right? Let's say there's enough interest to put in all 10 million. Yeah, no, you what do you do then, right? <laughs> so, so now you can obviously raise the valuation, mm. uh, but then the question is, um, you have to be very careful that you don't raise money at a very high valuation because your next round has to justify next round. You want your next round to be a step up from this one. Yeah. And if you don't have the right metrics in terms of growth and traction and things like that, the next round won't be a step up. Yeah. So it's a balancing act. Hmm. You want enough money, but you don't want too much money. Um, you want to plan your valuation and your growth carefully. Um, yeah. So, so, you, so can you name any misses? Uh, uh, I, I don't think I would name any misses at this stage. Well, I mean, part of the reason is I don't know which ones are really true misses because I don't know what, where they'll end up. I've definitely learned a lot. I think part of the, part of the you know, we can talk about nice things about being a VC, but um, I think one of, one of the best things for me is just meeting uh, entrepreneurs doing, pursuing so many new ideas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely, I definitely wanted to invest in a lot more companies than I, yeah. than I ended up in. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you have sort of like you want to invest a certain minimum amount of money. Like you want to invest, let's say, if, like do you have a minimum actually? Yeah, I mean, given our fund size, it doesn't make sense for us to write like 50,000 checks, uh-huh. $2,000 checks, uh-huh. because then we would have so many companies. So, many so generally companies. we try to invest at least at a minimum, let's say a million. I mean, we've gone mm-hmm. below that very rarely, but we want to invest a certain amount because a there's only so many companies that the team can manage uh-huh. at any point. So we won't have meaningful investments in all right, of them. Right, right, Otherwise, right. there's no point. There's no point. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned term sheet, which is basically yeah. the terms of the investment. Yeah. Okay. So generally, what we do is um, uh, there's we, when we are, when we decide to invest, we give companies what is called a term sheet, uh, and you know, your listeners can look this up online. Yeah, you can Google but, it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a very it's a summary of the terms hmm. that outline an investment. Like for example, the board structure, the valuation, yeah. how much you're investing, and things like that. Um, and term sheets generally have a summary of all the terms. There's, there's a legal process where you actually outline the final legal documents. But it's essentially a way to indicate and formalize our interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and generally, both parties have to sign for yeah. it to come into effect. Yeah. And actually, you mentioned like how, you know, as a VC, you've come across some amazing entrepreneurs, amazing ideas. Is there anything that you believed in earlier, which you don't, no longer believe in? having spent some time in this industry. Um, hmm. So I can give you an example. So hmm. I was listening to something by Paul Graham and he mentioned that they used to over-index on intelligence mm-hmm. some time back. And, but now they're like, you know, maybe it's determination and that kind of thing, which probably matters more yeah. than just pure intelligence. Uh, and again, I could be misquoting. I don't want to be quoted as that's what Paul Graham said. No, no, no. I mean, it makes sense. Um, I'm just trying to think... I can definitely relate to that. I uh, when I first uh, started out investing, I was definitely a sucker for good sales people. Yeah. 
because I would be like, wow, every investment looks amazing. Uh, yeah. Not that they were bad investments, but I think um, I think over time I've come to appreciate the nuance of, of investing. I mean, definitely the ability to read people. I think the ability to ask the right questions and the questions do vary from from company to company you see is 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 something that might seem simple but it's it's actually very uh, very difficult to mm-hmm. actually pull off in the right way because based on the stage the entrepreneur the growth the customers uh, answer, uh, because you only have like an hour or two hours yeah. with the entrepreneur right so you have to maximize that time very well um, especially if you if you do end up investing yeah. i think the ability to ask the right question and then also take uh, uh, you know, a hard look at your failures, um, and and again, I'm, for me, there there haven't been any since I've only been here for, for a short period of time. But I, I think in just talking to you know, sort of more senior folks, you have to be very open and really thoughtful about what you did wrong. And I think mm-hmm. that's hard to do because people don't want to dwell on their failures. Or, yeah. Yeah. Have there been any, okay? You haven't had any failures. Well, I, I've only been here for less than two years, so uh, I mean, I've only made on. My personal investments, I've only made two investments. Mm. So uh, hopefully still, I won't find out for a while. Happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. it's, it's still early for me. Okay. And what do you think is the future of VC then? Especially, with, you know, with companies like AngelList, where yeah. you can just go with a syndicate and... Yeah. So AngelList, I think, by the way, is fantastic. I think I think just bringing, giving access to, uh, to, to for startups to access a wider pool of investors is always mm-hmm. fantastic. You know, especially as sort of the costs of raising, starting a company have gone down so much that you don't really need that much. Um, so uh, I think that's great. I think I think more and more venture capital will move towards a more uh, data-driven kind of model. And the idea is just given the, the vast amount of startups uh, out there, you need some way to really sort of process process all the noise and find the right companies. Because you know there's thousands of startups being started every day, right? Any topic you pick, if you even go look on AngelList or just Google, there's so many companies. So, um, I think uh, I think filtering that will be a key skill set for any VC. So yeah, can f- you imagine like a AI powered VC fund? Yeah, I mean I can imagine that happening. I think I think you can. I think that'll st- that will work to a certain extent if you focus purely on the financial portion of a business yeah, right just but, in identifying the company yeah, yeah but i think there's still i mean obviously there'll always be i think it'll still be hard for anyone to really kind of um, automate the the people aspect right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. being able to think about and working with the entrepreneurs and whatever value add after that right mm-hmm. so so I, I don't think that part will go away but you know uh, i think being more data driven um you know following the right metrics is important on top of that, you know, we've talked about sort of the more service-based approach where you really want to kind of get your companies up yeah, and running quickly. Pretty, yeah. Because some of the basic, you know, things you do as a startup, there's a lot of common things everybody does, right? How you set up your sales process and all yeah. that. Uh, not that not that they're all the same, but I think providing the right support for that is something. At least getting them started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I just want to get into some of your day-to-day aspects. So like on a typical, if there is a typical day, like what are the kind of things that you would be working on? Yeah, so it's usually a mixture of the things we talked about. Either, you know, let's say I'll be at a conference or meeting entrepreneurs outside just to get, you know, just to see if this is someone the firm should spend more time with, uh, to doing diligence or doing a customer call or doing a personal reference call or just talking to industry experts about Mm -hmm. something or... Or, you know, I'm at a board meeting or talking to a portfolio company and 
getting their dogs. a lot of travel? Um, well, so for us, a lot of our investments are in the Bay Area. So mm. there isn't, as in, I don't have to get on a plane often, but I am out of the office a yeah. lot. Do you spend any time in office or just like Fridays? Uh, no, I mean, so Mondays, you're mostly in the office, like oh, I mentioned. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there are days when I'm in the office quite a bit. And there are days, yeah. for example, I'm in San Francisco all day, just right. meeting Miss people. Meeting people. Yeah. But I guess it's also because you're a principal. Yeah. By the way, I did want to ask you, how much time does it take? To go from one level to the other because you're two years out of business school and you're already a principal <laughs> well i joined as a principal oh yeah. okay yeah. that's because you had prior work ex yes okay. so so associates are typically people out of undergrad or maybe one year out of undergrad okay so you do an associate senior associate again this varies widely across firms so mm-hmm. so it's it's not don't take this as like a, a given and then um typically vice presidents and principals are post mba i see so after mba you'll join as a vp or uh, yeah uh, uh, yeah, typically. Okay. Uh, again, it varies, but typically. Um, and then uh, partner is. It's it varies by firm. It, 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 I think it's usually a measure of how well you do. Huh. Um, so you know, in kind of all three aspects, right? Sourcing, sourcing diligence. I think uh, are sort of the more initial aspects, but then finding deals and kind of helping yeah. grow the company. Okay, and I think I think for a lot of people, it is sort of you can make out how a VC fund makes money. You know, you're investing money, you get a multiple fine. It gets distributed yeah. in some way. But as the people who are working in the fund, right, are partners and principals, do you have a share in the in the fund or in the in the returns? How is that? Yeah. So typically, uh, you know, there is what is called carry. So uh-huh. the idea is the most common fund structure as far as uh, the, the, the fee schedule goes, is you have what is called the, broadly the two and 20 process. And it varies. The numbers can vary. But the idea is you have a management fee, which is about, let's say, 2% of the fund every year. Uh, and again, that varies. that's a salary. That's that, that exactly that's yeah. pays for the office expenses. That pays for the salary of the people working here and things like that. And then you have the the, the carry portion, which is uh, if it, in this case, if it's twenty percent, you would get twenty percent of the returns or the profits. Okay, but right? how is that? So basically, what you're saying is, if you raised one eighty million dollars in the fund, two percent of that is your salary expenses, right? Yeah. And then 20% of the return yes. is again with the VC. Yes. But is that distributed equally across the different levels? It varies widely. Okay. Um, so the partners obviously will get more yeah. and then it kind of goes down to... But it is like as an associate, you could have a share of that 20%. It, you could yeah, or you could not. Um, okay. So every vary. fund, again, that's a very sort of personal thing to the fund. Okay. So um, they will... Okay. Yeah. So it's it varies, but it is not unheard of. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. But so going back to the day-to-day thing, uh, basically, as if you're an associate, you're probably spending a lot of time doing research or talking to firms. Yes. Whereas if you're a principal, you're probably working a lot with your portfolio companies, yeah. helping them out. Okay. But I think you're still doing the research and talking to people because that's how you have to keep up with what's mm. going on, right? Right, right, right? So I think the talking to people and the research part, everybody Just has to do, right? I think your responsibilities kind of increase mm. as the more senior you get. Right, right. So... You already mentioned a couple of the interesting aspects just in terms of the breadth of amazing entrepreneurs and yeah. ideas you're coming across. Anything else that comes to mind? Uh, no, I would say that's the most exciting part. Um, I think uh, just working with the people. I mean, you know, I think spending time with so many smart people across so many industries mm-hmm. every day is, is I can't think of any better job than that. Yeah, actually, let's say someone is like you were yourself, right? Like you are waiting for the right idea. What would you say to someone if they're choosing between an entrepreneur and a VC? Yeah, I mean, at least this is just my view, but I think um, 
again, I haven't founded a company, so maybe I'm not the right person to ask this question, but I, the way I look at it is, again, passion, right? I think if there's an idea that you think is so amazing and you keep thinking about it all the time and you really want to go build a company around it, I think mm. you should give it a shot. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's about your connection to to that idea. And, and then, you know, some people, and, you know, we haven't talked about sort of not necessarily a downside or like... No, we will talk about yeah, it. That's my next question. Okay, okay, we can talk about it now. But but one thing is, you know, no matter how much we talk about the value that VCs add, at the end of the day, it's the entrepreneurs building the company, right? Yeah. We're, we're just on the outside. You, you can, you know, we help as much as we can, but there's very little at the end of the day that, that we can do to truly, truly impact the company. So you have to be comfortable with that. Right, so you can invest and make this company help help make this company, I should say, a great success. But uh, at the end of the day, all the credit goes to the entrepreneur, rightly so, because they have done all the work. And uh, so, I mean, are you saying that if you are someone who's a little bit of a micromanager kind of person, that's not a good yeah attribute yeah. for a VC? I don't think so, because I think you you provide the support that the entrepreneur needs and the entrepreneur asks for, but you don't want to be a nuisance, right? You don't mm. want to be a burden on the company. Mm. You know, you constantly don't want to go to them every day and ask, sit in their office and ask them questions, right? <laughs> so uh, I think we are really a resource for the entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, you know, in tough times, you know, they can ask, you know, hopefully we will be a confidant and can, they can lean on us as well. And we'll, we'll be there to support them. But, but they are the ones who are truly, you know, building the company. So... Um, I think as an investor, you have to be comfortable with that, mm. right? So just to understand that point a little bit better, is it more that ultimately this, whether your money will, you know, be a successful investment or not, that is not really in your hands. Is that more of a thing or is it more that, no, you I, know, I'm not really in control? It's not about, uh, I would say about control. It's about, um, I'm thinking of the right way to say this. It's, you're not really, uh, uh, part of the the core team right got it yeah. yeah you're you're more like an advisor right um and uh the reason i'm bringing this up is it building something with your hands well in this case not literally with your hands but like is 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 a great feeling right and and again like i said when i was at oracle you know we did work on projects and we launched a product so that was very exciting when the products launched and you're yeah. doing that at a much grander scale as an entrepreneur right but at the end of the day, even if the company is a massive success, you have to be you have to be able to be comfortable with the fact that you know it wasn't you That's who literally right. built it. Yeah, right? so you're not the maker in this case. You're so not like, the maker, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so like in the case of Uber, we all know Travis Kalanick is the one who built it, and I guess you know some of the investors, but that probably it stops there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think if you are, you know, because people talk about serial entrepreneurs all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have to go build things. I mean, that's in your DNA and that's your passion. So. If you truly want to do that, you have to be, you can say I'm an investor and I did all that. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, in some cases, I'm sure there are investors who truly were like part of the initial team. They helped seed the company. They worked with them on the idea. They were there in the office every day for the first year or so. But that's rare. Right. right. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. So, and have, have you faced any stressful situations as a VC? Um, I mean, I guess stress is relative, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, there are definitely days when, you know, the companies we invested in, um, we thought they were in a certain trajectory, but, you know, some deals don't close and, uh, you know, the company's not doing that well and things like that. So there's obviously a lot of responsibility internally as well, right? I mean, well, A, there's 
to the firm because you know as the person who brought the deal and vouched for the company and is responsible for the deal there's stress towards the firm but there's also stress to the entrepreneur i mean i mean as, as my responsibility to the entrepreneur right because this is really a partnership that's mm. going to last many years mm. and and if the company is not doing well and the entrepreneur is stressed out, uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of calls with entrepreneurs at like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. at yeah. night, right? Where they're worried about what's going on, uh, strategizing and things like that. And, you know, at, over time, you get to know the founder, you get to know the executive team, you know, you meet their families. and Yeah, you know, yeah it's, you're it's like, like a friend now. Yeah, yeah. so the, the, I mean, yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of time, there are weeks where I spend more time with them than my, with my yeah. family, so... Um, you want to make you you want to you really ho- you really hope everything turns out well, right? Yeah. Because um, so their stress is almost like your stress. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. basically what you're saying. The yeah. more companies you're working with, the more just, and more yeah, yeah it, it becomes. But you know, I mean, that's that has both benefits and disadvantages, yeah. right? I mean, you obviously get to meet great people and enjoy their successes yeah. to a certain extent yeah. as well. Okay, and you mentioned like you know one thing which you said is a mistake that you'd made earlier, which you're trying to safeguard against is that if you have a great salesperson on the team oh, yeah. and they're very charming so you want to be like little okay let's get down to reality yeah. are there any common mistakes other than that that you found um i think the other one i would say is um you have to be willing to always change your viewpoint in the sense that like i said you know it, it's it's easy to be a little bit Maybe dogmatic is not the right word, but but you know you have a viewpoint on the on the sector or the or the industry or the market, and you say this is what what I think is going to happen, and then an entrepreneur comes in and says, no, I believe this is a different way that the market will evolve, and and you have to be willing to admit you're wrong a lot, mm-hmm. right? And and you know maybe you'll find information that will confirm what you think or the other way, but I think you have to be very flexible, and it's easy it's it's easy to kind of say oh i've done all the research and this is the way it's going to be but but that's the other mistake that even i've made right i've, I've come out of meeting saying yeah this idea is not going to work because mm. you know i've talked to these other 10 people and mm. and i've done a lot of research and this is what it says but but i think i think it's very important that you keep an open mind and you constantly have to remember that you're learning all the time yeah so yeah. um you're never going to get to a stage where you're an expert. But this is another great point, which is that as a VC, you not only have to look for a big market, but you also have a point of view on how the market will evolve, yes. right? So you have a thesis and you're looking for companies which fit that thesis and yes. you should be willing to change that. Yeah. That thesis, is, is that something in your mind or? Yeah, so I mean, it forms over time. And, and again, uh, you know, it's a balance, right? It's not like you change your thesis every time you meet a person. <laughs> so um, I think you refine your thesis is maybe a better way of saying it. So I think theses are formed by a, by a variety of things. I think changes in the market, changes in regulation, let's say, um, changes in, uh, uh, you know, a, a very broad example is that they talk about sort of the, the consumerization of, of a lot of technologies, right? So how that will impact the enterprise space and so forth. Um, I think a lot of it comes from just following the news, talking to people in your mind, just thinking about, okay, what would happen if this went further and further? Yeah. So uh, in many ways, it's a little bit like storytelling. Um, you have to like kind of tell stories in your head. You yeah. constantly have to keep thinking what will happen if this, if this happens, if this happens and all that. And sometimes you land on pretty interesting ideas. And then you go talk to people to try and validate it. Yeah. No, but I think it's a very subtle difference. It's not just about, yeah, I'm going to invest in security and it's a big market. It's having a point of view on how that market will evolve over yeah. whatever, 10, 20 years. Yeah. And 
and yeah. then these companies make it happen. Yeah, and and you know, I, I mean, some of that will come around, come with, with just diligence because you know one of the one of the interesting things is, I, we spend so many time talking to customers and and other entrepreneurs and all that that you know you're just constantly being fed information, right? Mm-hmm. And part of it is connecting all the dots. I got some piece of information from this meeting and that meeting, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have a VC that you idolize, or not idolize, but just like admire? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, some some of the, like uh, I I like Mark Suster's posts mm-hmm. uh, a lot. I think he has a very interesting way of looking at uh, 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 venture capital. So the the well and the managing partners at our firm, I mm-hmm. think uh, I really enjoy working with them. I think I think one of the things that's very interesting when you talk about thesis based uh, ideas is that Storm has very, always been a very thesis based mm-hmm. um, comp- uh, in VC firm. So. Mobile Iron, Marketo, a lot of these things were ideas that came out of, you know, hey, we think this market is good. Let's go find a company that does this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something I think any VC kind of, kind of thinks, um, even if you're wrong a lot, I think just that mental habit of thinking far into the future will help you form some good thesis. So, yeah. so you have to be someone who is able to sort of visualize in whatever way like yeah. you have to be that kind of person forward looking kind of person yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah and it's hard right I mean it's hard to tell at any point whether what you're doing is right or for wrong for sure no no there's but no right or wrong think, yeah, yeah, but yeah at least you should enjoy it yeah. so I mean if you were to think about five qualities that you would find in a good VC uh, um, let's see I think you should be very open minded um, you should be able to process a lot of information. Um, you should be humble. You should be able to judge people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the fifth one that always stumps everyone. Yes. Uh, that's, yeah, I'm trying to think of fifth one that's, that doesn't cover the first four. If the, if the four know. are necessary and sufficient, it's fine. Yeah, I mean... I, it's yeah i think a lot of it is you should be just willing to like help people irrespective of whether you think it's a direct benefit very right? because mm-hmm. oftentimes a lot of the way at least i think about it and and, and maybe this is naive is like a lot of the things you do just come back at a yeah. later stage yeah. so you know you meet someone is you know, there's no way you're going to invest in this company because it's not a good fit but they, they ask for help and yeah. You know, you just help them and then sometime later they might do, do something, something else, else. Yeah. or, you know, just something just feels good to help. So yeah. I think it, just by virtue of the fact that it's a relationship-based business, you're constantly trying to... Well, oh, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, helping is probably the best way you can form your network. Yeah. So just say yes to whatever you can. Yeah. And would you say that there's a typical background? I know there's no typical... I mean, there's a oper- lot of people are operators. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's a very typical background. So we talked about, you know, coming out of business school, coming out of undergrad. Yeah. A lot Actually, of people... what did you do to get your summer internship? Oh, uh, well, to get my summer internship, I just... Uh, well, networked. I mean, I essentially reached well, out right, to mentioned. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And I was fortunate uh, that uh, the Storm folks didn't see through my... <laughs> <laughs> through, see through my facade. But... Um, um, I think, and and the, uh, the third way, just just for the sake of completeness, is uh, a lot of people, a lot of successful entrepreneurs eventually go into venture mm. capital firms, yeah. right? So, um, just given their vast experience, it's it's obviously helpful even for a VC firm. I mean, mm. I think you become a good venture capitalist in that sense because you've been through the entrepreneurship. You've been through the operation. So, so that's yeah. that's a perfect 
Um, well, I don't know if it's perfect, but yeah, that, that's a very good way to to become a venture capitalist. Mm. If you're in business school, how would you think about VC recruiting? So VC recruiting is very uh, disorganized. So some firms definitely go to, bus- to business school campuses um, and recruit. Um, and generally there's like one slot a year or something like that. Um, oh, in, the, in one firm, one firm, yeah. and they all go to Stanford. I'm guessing. No, I, I I'm pretty sure they all just go to Stanford well, and fill up. If you're here, it makes sense to go to Stanford because it's yeah. local. Uh, but I mean, you know, I think people go to hmm. many of the, many of the schools around the country. Um, but I think the the, the other way that's uh, probably more more interesting is um, is um, a lot of VC recruiting happens again through networking, right? Hmm. So you happen to meet a partner somewhere, or you happen to meet. A contact of a partner or, or someone, right? And you reach out to the people at the firm, and um, one of the advantages of, of reaching out to venture capitalists is that they're always looking to meet people because that's the oh, job. That's their job, yeah. Right, but also the the flip side of that is there's just so many meeting requests you get. So there yeah, is. So there I want to know this. Yeah. What's a good way to get a meeting with a meeting with a VC? So a referral from someone hmm. we uh, we respect. How, how do I know? Well, so for example, portfolio company hmm. executives are a good one, right? So if a portfolio company CEO were to email me and say, meet this person, I would meet the person, okay. right? I mean, I don't know, even if I, I mean, usually they give some kind of introduction. So by that I can tell. But even if they don't, just by virtue of the fact that it's portfolio company CEO, I would I would meet the person. So that's one example, right? Ex-portfolio, other VCs generally would. would so some good. kind of common connection that you think this person holds in good stead. And you also mentioned that when you applied, uh, so you networked your way in, but you, it's not like you just say, hey, you know, I'm interested in a job. Can you? Well, I, I emailed alumni, essentially. Okay. And and because they were alumni, they got back to me mm. and they connected me with other people and so yeah. forth. So, but you mentioned that you shared examples of things that the fund. Yes. So so when you do meet the, 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 the VC fund, um, and again, maybe we are stepping a bit more into the interview portion, but... Mm. Um, one thing that is really impressive, at least when I meet people, is if you A, have a view on a market that mm-hmm. I care about, and then B, if you can give me uh, examples of companies that you think are exciting or not exciting, and why. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in a sense, you're doing the VC's job, yeah. right? So you're, you're proving to the person that I can be a good venture capitalist, Got and it. good is relative, but like, and, and a very powerful example that, um, uh, so, for example, I'll give you when I interviewed here, right? Yeah. Essentially, the managing partner the night before the interview sent me the a company, huh. the the deck, the financials, and said, "Let's talk about this company tomorrow." Tomorrow, yeah. And that was the interview. Okay. Right. And what so, did you do then? Well, I mean, I spent. I mean, I only had like whatever eight hours or ten hours or something. But, With no sleep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so well, I went to the financials. I, you know, I looked for basic financial analysis. Uh, I looked at the company. I did some research online about who might be the customers of this company, mm. who are what's competition, how is the market going, whatever data I could find. Cool. Right? It's like the due diligence piece. Yeah. Essentially, you're doing the due diligence, yeah. um, and then when you come in, and and the point of this is not to say this is the answer, right? Um, you can whether you say and end up saying you invest or not invest is completely irrelevant at this point. What they're looking for is do you have the right mindset? to analyze the company and at least ask the right questions, right? So um, as long as you do that in a relatively good way, uh, then then it excites them. Yeah. Now, 
recruiting again in VC firms is interesting because the firms generally tend to be small. Hmm. So it's very rare that you have positions open. So a lot of it is based on timing as well and okay. luck to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you might talk to a firm, they might not have an opening. Eight months later, there's an opening. So you want to keep it But it out. fills up but in like two <laughs> weeks, right? So so which is precisely why when you meet them, mm-hmm. you should talk about, hey, I think... So one part, very powerful example is when you when someone meets me and say, hey, I know you invested in this company. Um, here is why I think it was a bad investment. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, obviously it'll hurt my ego, yeah. but... Um, but I won't forget that person. Yeah. And if he really gave a good, compelling explanation, um, A, I'll go try to fix the problem hmm. if it's fixable. And, but, it, and it's indeed a, a problem. And it's indeed a problem, right. Um, uh, and B, like I said, I won't forget it. So if, if, a, if a job does open up, at least I'll talk to the person. Got it, got and it. And then it'll be a much formal process it's a great then. idea so it's a great way to stand out in yeah. your mind because you, you're getting as you said yeah. so many applications now again i'm not advocating you meet every <laughs> see and say you're a bad company but 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 you can also also argue about why i think your companies are good or why i think you should invest in company hmm. x because again that's a great form of deal sourcing for no us. no for sure no yeah. definitely all right yeah i think i'm out of questions thank you so much of is course. there any advice you would want to share for budding VCs? Uh, so I, I think the main advice is, um, th- because a lot of this is based, based on information, the role of a VC, you can be an investor, at least in theory, uh, by yourself. I mean, obviously you're not deploying capital directly, right. but the entire process until actually deploying the money, you can replicate by yourself. So the best way to, to interview or go get a job is Keep doing that by yourself mm. and you'll develop the right skill sets automatically. So when you do end up interviewing or mm. you go and end up, you know, even let's say starting your own fund, you're already in a good position. When you say keep doing it yourself, you mean just keep looking for companies, see whether you would. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's say someone makes an, let's say a big company makes an acquisition of a smaller company. Mm. In your mind, think about why did that happen, mm. right? These are the reasons why I think it happened. These are the reasons why it might not be a good idea. Then talk to people, right? Yeah. Try to validate that. And again, it's a great idea. yeah, the point of this is not to come to a definite conclusion because there really isn't. But I think it'll just train the right muscles in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that'll show through later on. For sure. No, this is a great suggestion. It's also a good way to assess whether you will enjoy being a VC. Yeah. If you like to think about, yeah. was this a good or exactly. bad acquisition? Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. And if you don't, then that's easy. It's enough. not a good job, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Arun. Of course, yeah. And thanks have so a good weekend. Yeah. yeah, you too. Bye. Alright, so that was Arun on Venture Capital. I really hope that you enjoyed today's discussion and found it helpful. And of course, if you have any questions at all for Arun or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, you should subscribe to the podcast. Simply search for Learn, Educate, Discover on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or whatever your player of choice is. Simply search for Learn, Educate, Discover, hit subscribe and while you're at it, leave us a review. It really, really means a lot. You can tweet at us at LED underscore curator or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn, educate, discover. You can also check out our website at learn, educate, discover.com where you'll find not only a list of all the previous episodes, but also a lot of useful resources. And you can also subscribe to get regular email updates on all the great content that we're putting together for you guys. All right, so that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and until the next one, bye-bye.